Anybody glad to be in God's house this morning? Would you give Jesus praise once more? He's worthy of it. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. We just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're glad to have your presence with us too. And if you're a guest this morning, I want to say a special welcome to you. And I would ask if you would take a moment to fill out a connection card. That would help us out. And I would love just to connect with you this week, and thank you for joining us. Uh, you can find these in the seat pockets nearby and just put the information there and uh, you can place them in the offering boxes after service. And uh, speaking of offering, we've got three ways you can give. You can give online at lakeviewpeople.com slash give. You can use the text to give number uh, on the screen or on the website. And then uh, you can also use the offering envelopes uh, just located in the seat pockets for your convenience. We don't pass a plate here. Uh, you can just put those in the offering boxes by the doors. And also, I want to remind you to utilize your connection cards. On the back of them, we use them for prayer requests. And so if you've got a prayer need, uh, we are right in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have already seen God wondrously and miraculously answer prayers. And uh, please don't stop praying and don't stop submitting those requests. Uh, even if you're watching online, you can do that online at lakeviewpeople.com slash prayer. And uh, it would be an honor just to pray over those. Uh, we'll have our next prayer gathering tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for the next two weeks. We've got two weeks left. Uh, we'll meet Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. And then we'll be together on Saturdays at 9 a.m. And it's been such a blessing to me how many of y'all have been coming out. If you haven't been yet, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Uh, to make every effort to be with us just as much as you can. Uh, because here's the thing. Can I confess to you? Uh, we don't like getting up here at 6 a.m. It's not because it's fun. Uh, it's because we are desperate for God's presence in our lives. And we believe he's worth it. And I, I invite you to be with us in person. Or you can tune in on, online at the live stream at the same time at 6. And uh, just participate as you're able to. Uh, can I ask you just to bow your heads once more and bow your hearts? And will you pray with me and for me just that the Lord would help his word to go forth as he wants it to. Father, I thank you for these uh, precious people gathered in your name. And Lord, I believe you have uh, direction and instruction for us from your word. And so we take a stand against the enemy as he would want to distract or discourage. And we just declare your word to go forth and be transforming in the name of Jesus and by the power of Holy, the Holy Spirit, I pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. amen and amen. This is week three of our message series, Stress Out. And please let me stress something to you. Um, it is not stressed out. Uh, we're not here to try to teach you how to be stressed out. How many of you are like, I'm good enough at being stressed out on my own self? We're here to declare that by the power of Jesus Christ and, and the, the just power of Scripture that we can remove stress. Not necessarily struggles, but just because Christians may go through some of the same struggles as the rest of the world. How many of y'all know that doesn't mean we have to go through them the same way that the rest of the world do? We can understand that peace 
that passes understanding, that joy unspeakable. And uh, this third message is simply entitled, Let, and it's not a typo, it's Let Go. Oh. Uh, it's for a couple of reasons. There's some things that are just hard to let go of, and it seems like they hang around even after you got rid of them. And there's also just a personal account I'm going to share with you at the end uh, with, with my uh, youngest child that just, this kind of, God taught me something. I saw myself in my son. And aren't you thankful for a heavenly father that sometimes will teach us things through other people before we have to go through something on our own self? And so uh, this morning we're going to kick off with Luke chapter 21. If you want to follow along with me in your message notes, this has been our key scripture through this series. Luke 21, 34. These are the words of Christ. And Jesus says, be careful. In church, when Jesus tells us to be careful, we better listen. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. I know most of us could probably relate to the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. I don't know what that may look like for each of us individually, but I'm sure we all have experienced a day that we didn't see it coming, but life never looked the same after that day. Whether it was someone we lost or something we went through, a change on our job, a change in our marriage, whatever it might be, uh, these things can, can cause us worry and anxiety. And when you've gone through one thing, if you're not careful, you'll worry about going through the next thing before anything has even happened. And this is when stress can really take root in our spirit and anxiety can override us. In church, we need to be honest, stress and anxiety affect Christians too. And these things are very real and we really need to address them. This is not in your notes, but just a quote I wanted to share with you. I didn't come up with it, but I don't know who did. But uh, it's, it's very good advice. It says, anxiety is like quicksand. The longer we are in it, the deeper we sink. And that's, that's real life right there. Anxiety takes a hold of you, but it doesn't just keep you in the same place, it'll keep pulling you further and further into worry, into stress, and it can affect all sorts of things. But church, I want to give you good news. While the enemy's plan may be to stress us out, I believe that God has a plan that's greater than the enemy's. And he has a plan anytime, the, the Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and I believe that's largely in part because before Satan can even come up with his plan, God already knows the solution to that problem. And so God's word gives us instruction and it gives us hope even in the face of stress and worry and anxiety. Think about different issues that might apply to you. Uh, maybe money issues, a job change, uh, social media interaction. Did you know that can stress you out even if they're not in your house? You can see their face on your screen and your blood pressure starts to rise. A new school, changing homes or changing cities, a change in marital status, and dealing with a blended family. Any of these things could cause anxiety and stress, but I want to address something very specific because I believe of all the stressors in life, nothing seems to add more anxiety to our life than relational stress. And this is a stress that can affect 
many other areas in our life. While it stems from our relationships, it will affect many other things. So take note of this. There's a reason the enemy attacks so many people this way. Because he knows this affects so many areas of our life. So he'll sometimes get to you through other people. And what other people have done to you can get to you even after they've long moved on. That stress may still be there. That pain may still be hanging around. So we want to be able to let go. Oh. Oh, no. Here's the the first blank if you want to write this down. Relational stress affects everything. Everything. Again, it's why the enemy uses it against us, because it affects everything. And here are some areas other than your relationships that relational stress can affect. If you want to jot these down, first, your physical health can be impacted, can be affected by relational stress, especially if it causes you not to eat right or to sleep right. Because then that can drive you to, to not be able to do other things right as well. And your physical health Uh, is something that's easy to maybe be seen or realized or felt. But can I tell you this next one is just as important and we're just as vulnerable, and that's our emotional health. And this is a real thing that the church should not shy away from addressing. Emotional health and emotional trauma is very, very real. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there, right? We know just because we can't see God doesn't mean he's not there. And it's the same with emotional pain and emotional stress And also, this kind of bleeds into the next one, and that is our mental health. Because look, when you're not eating right, you're not sleeping right, you're not feeling right physically, your emotions are all out of whack, you you can't make right decisions. Your mental health is going to be affected. And some of you have experienced this. You can't even, you can't problem solve. You second guess every decision that you're making Because of all the stress that's going on in your life. And this will start to impact areas of your life, such as work or school, depending on where you're at in life. You know, you you got stuff you need to do and you just can't think through to do it. And while it'll affect your daily life, maybe even more importantly, it'll affect the life that God created you for. The next word is the word dreams. And relational stress will impact your dreams. I see people all the time uh, that come in for counsel or come in for prayer. And because of some uh, relational trauma, relational stress that's happened in their past, they're worried, I'll never be able to have a healthy relationship because I've never been in one before. I've never seen one in my home because I come from a broken home or traumatic things. I guess that's how my life is going to look like. And we'll start to just, our, our dreams will feel more like nightmares. And we think every relationship is going to end up like that one that hurt us so bad. And that will impact, finally, your future. Those dreams, those nightmares actually start to become reality. Because you're living out the stress instead of getting the stress out of your life. This is why this is important. This is not some just feel-good, self-help speech. This is spiritual warfare where the enemy wants you to doubt what God is capable of because of what you've seen that people are capable of. And that he wants you to be so hurt from, from what someone has done to you that you will doubt what Jesus has already done for you. 
Don't let it happen. We shouldn't let it happen. But if we're not careful, we'll do this next thing. This is your next blank. We project the effect of relational stress onto our other relationships. Again, you come into a relationship so defensive that as soon as they do something that kind of reminds you of that last relationship, the walls come up and the claws come out. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean. And this is very real. And this happens to Christians just as much as anybody else. So we don't need to be naive to the the enemy's tactics. You may not even realize sometimes until it's way down the road how much past relationships are affecting your current relationships. This is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of where we struggle with trusting people. We struggle with listening to people or paying attention because we just don't think this isn't going to matter because it didn't matter before. Relational stress, it will be projected into our other relationships if if we're not careful. The weight that we carry causes us to lose balance in our relationships. And it can really throw us off in, in our new relationships. So, look, we've talked a little bit about what relational stress can do. I think you probably already know what relational stress can do. The question is, what can we do about it? Well, on our own, not much. But aren't you thankful we have a helper? The Holy Spirit. And we need His help in this area, in so many areas of our life, to learn to let go of relational stress. How do we get this freedom from relational stress? Um, Look, I'm going to tell you some things we need to do, and then we're going to look at Scripture to tell us how to do it. Because a lot of times... We'll at church, we'll stop short of the how. We tell people what they need to do, but maybe not the why or the how. I think you know why you need to do this, because you don't want stress to take root in your heart. It can lead to so many other things. We've already addressed that. But how do we actually deal with this in a spiritual and even a practical way? God gives us many practical things to do that are actually preventative. It does not give the enemy access to our heart and and our minds. And if we'll obey the word of God, then we can beat the devil to the punch. We can nip it in the bud, as they say, and and cut these things off at the pass. Or how many other catchphrases I can come up with. Just kind of rolling here. But here's the first one. I want to tell you what we need to do. That is, we need to forgive and seek forgiveness. But I know this is easier said than done. So we're going to look to the word of God for how we can do this. We need to forgive and seek forgiveness. But Matthew 18 is where Peter comes to Jesus and and asks. And I love his honesty. He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And you know Peter probably had somebody on his list. He's already forgiven him seven. He's like, I'm about to go number eight on him, Jesus. Up to seven times. Don't we ask God a version of this sometimes? Lord, can I be through with them because of all they've done to me? Do I have to forgive them? And look, please hear this. You can forgive someone and not have to give them access to your heart anymore. You need to get them out of your spirit. Don't let them back in to mess with you. Forgive without give access. I want you to remember that. 
So he asked seven times, is that how many? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations say 70 times seven. And really, it's not the numerical value that matters. This is a cultural thing that that really just means infinite. As many as it takes is the way I would like to express it to you. As many as it takes. And please understand, that's as many as it takes for you to forgive them, not necessarily for them to reciprocate it. Because you can't control what they're going to do. But we need to take control of how we respond to these things. Uh, We forgive. Here's a reason why. It's not in your notes, but just so you'll know it. We forgive because when we do, reconciliation happens. Right then. Reconciliation between us and God, which is most important. We say, God, we're going to obey you and we're going to forgive. But human reconciliation, many times, almost every time, it involves godly confrontation. So people that don't like confrontation, can I just share with you, you can wish all you want to that you could ignore it and it'll go away, but it won't. There are times where we need to, to with the help of the Holy Spirit, and maybe with wise counsel of brothers and sisters in the faith, we need to go have that hard conversation. Because I tell you, that conversation is not going to be as hard on you as leaving that situation unresolved will be on you. And letting that stress just keep eating away at you and working. That bitter can turn into bitterness and other terrible things. But part of it is that godly confrontation. And I want to give you permission to know this is another part of it. To keep stress out of your life is that you are allowed to set up proper boundaries in your life. Again, you can forgive and not give full access back to your heart. You give them over to God. Don't give them back access to you. And, and I need you to know that that's okay. That it's so, Sometimes we've... We've meant well, but not done well in in the church world. Like, the Bible says that God hates divorce. And so people hear that, and sometimes the way we've presented it, you'll hear this, is that God hates divorced people. And that is a lie of the enemy. The only reason God hates divorce is because he knows the pain it puts you through. He hates that you went through it. He loves you. And I need somebody to find some healing just in hearing that. If you've been through the trauma of a marriage that, that did not work out and just that, that, that covenant is broken, it's a horrible thing. It's a tragic thing. But no, that does not disqualify you from God loving you just because the person that, that you entered into that with, it, it didn't go the way it should have. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to reconciliation, we sometimes, we, we Hollywood it. We think it's going to be like a movie and it's all just going to work out and there's going to be soft music playing while we talk to one another before we hug. Mm. That doesn't always work out that way, does it, church? But every time, whether or not it works out that way, we need to do things God's way, the way that he tells us. In Matthew chapter 5, I've been studying this scripture a lot lately because God's helping me in some areas to forgive and to learn to seek forgiveness. We need to forgive and we need to seek forgiveness. And this will help you to learn to do both if you'll listen to the words of Christ here in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister 
has something against you. So if you would think of it this way, it's like you're at church, you're at the place of worship, or you're listening to worship music, you're there about to worship God. He says right there, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, hmm, isn't it interesting that we Christians are better at remembering when someone has something against us than when we have, you know, we've done something to wrong them. It's easy for me to remember when somebody's wronged me, but not always when I've wronged them. Jesus addresses that. Because again, we can only take care of our side of the street. We need to take care of what we can control. And we can't control what other people do, but we can control how we uh, live our lives. Jesus says this, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Can you just picture this in Bible times? He's speaking, you know, centuries ago. Many people had to travel for days to get to a place of worship. So could you, this was radical teaching, what Jesus was saying here. It's very different from how their culture had lived. But how many of you know we need to listen to the words of Christ, not the words of culture? Let's not respond the way culture tells us to respond. So just think of this. This poor guy has gotten up gotten his family together, and I bet kids were just as difficult to get together in, in Bible times as they are in modern times. They got them all, they got on their camel, and they're riding to the temple. I don't know why I do this when I do a camel. That is the word. It's not even a camel. I don't understand. Uh, anyway, sorry you had to see that, but... They, you know, they, they go through all this process and they get everybody there. I mean, back then, you know, it was a big deal. You got to, you know, prepare the sacrifices and all this thing. And it says, when you bring your gift to the altar, stop right there first. If you remember, oh no, Ralph, I've wronged Ralph. I'm supposed to leave, you know, make it modern. You know, they, they were doing this at the temple. But if you're at church today, and maybe your kids are like my kids, is it weird any parents in here that it's like, why is it kids don't seem to wake up when you need them to, but they wake up too early when you don't want them to? Am I the only one that that happens to? It's like, we got to go to school. We got to go to church. They're comatose. I finally get a day off and I'm going to sleep in. Daddy, let's play. It is 3 a.m. Get out of my room, child. You know what I'm saying? That's real life, you know. It's just... But the Bible says, you know, you've got the kids up, got the teeth brushed and the hair combed and finally got the change of clothes after they've got it all messy. Your wife's put their makeup on for the fifth time. You're all in the car. You're driving down. You survive traffic. You get here. You greet everybody. You finally get to your seat. Somebody's sitting in your seat. You got to sit to another one. You get ready to worship and oh no, Ralph. I've wronged Ralph. And y'all probably looking at me saying, Preacher, are you telling me that I need to get up from where I'm going and before I offer God worship, I need to go make things right with God? Of course that's not what I'm telling you because I didn't write the book of Matthew. That's what Jesus is telling us. I'm not saying it. God's word is. And again, at some point, we need to stop doing things our way and wondering why they're not going our way. Does anybody believe God's way is better than our way? Me too. Me too. And so we want to do things the way he told us to. Because here's the key here is we forgive and seek forgiveness. That means we initiate it. Now I want you to remember this, not in your notes, but I hope you remember this. If you are direct with your relationships, God will help you direct your relationships. So instead of always being reactive to things, you can start being proactive. Say, I'm going to forgive first. 
Instead of saying stressed out, I'm going to get this stress out. I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I've handed it over to God. And it's at this point that we do the next point in our message. And that is we start to take responsibility. And this is where you take the power back from the enemy. Because look, before any of y'all think of your Ralph and go, oh no. I don't want anybody to jump up and run out of this place yet. Just wait. Because there's a spirit that we need to to submit to. The Holy Spirit needs to lead us in these things. And and us taking responsibility is taking instruction from the Holy Spirit. And there's a great explanation and example of it in Romans chapter 12 of the spirit that we should have. If we want to respond like God wants us to, we need to respond like God's word tells us to. And the Bible says, bless those who persecute you. And I'm starting in verse 14, but honestly, you could read this whole chapter and it's all good. Well, the whole Bible's good, but if you're looking for this specifically, read Romans 12 this week about how to respond to things the way that we will be Christ-like and not culture-like. Bless those who persecute you. And then it says, bless and do not curse. And y'all, us Texans, we're bad about this. You're supposed to bless and not curse. That means you can't say, I bless you, and then say, but bless their heart. Because y'all know we think we can say anything after you say bless. Well, bless their heart. They just not stop there. Bless them and do not Just bless them. That's what the Bible says to do. Then it says rejoice with those who rejoice. I have to do this every year while my cowboys are sitting at home and one of my friend's team is still playing. You know what? It's not always fun when your life is not going good and somebody else's is, but we need one another in those moments. If you really love one another, we should rejoice with those who rejoice. You got a promotion on your job and I'm still just toiling away. I'm happy for you. And I mean that. That's how how real Christ-like response is to situations. And mourn with those who mourn. It's okay. There are times where mourning is very appropriate and we need to be there for one another. And then we'll do this next thing, which is to live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, the Bible says, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And this is a big thing. I mean, really, sometimes we, we like to think... We notice that somebody else is conceited before we realize where we might be. As I've seen church people, they can be greeted by a hundred folks, but if the right person doesn't say hello to them, that is the most unfriendly church I've ever been to. Well, it, it wasn't until you got here. You know, that's what you want to say. Well, that's what I did say, so anyway, edit that part. Pausing for the editing. No, I'm just kidding. But th- this is real life stuff, y'all. It's like, uh, we, we want, here's what we want to do. We want to repay evil for evil. The Bible says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. We, we want to be at peace with people, the Bible says. And then here's the part that I really want to highlight. In fact, I underlined this in my Bible about taking responsibility is if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Again, you can't, can't control what they do, but we can control what we do. As far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. And finally it says, do not take revenge. We need to take responsibility, not take revenge. 
take responsibility for our part, what we, what we have contributed to the argument or the situation. And in so doing, when we take responsibility, here's really kind of the first step of doing this. And notice there's a key word, the word attempt. We attempt to reconcile. We attempt. We do our part. We can't force anybody else uh, to do the right thing, but you know what? They shouldn't be able to force us from, from doing the right thing. They shouldn't be able to keep you from doing the right thing just because they're doing the wrong thing. And we, we want to do our best to repair the breach, to, to restore trust in relationships. But we must abide by boundaries. You know, while we want to see those things happen, and we may have a just picture-perfect uh, you know, outline of how things should go, as we have every right to, to have people respect our boundaries, we have to respect theirs too. They may not be ready to hear it, but that doesn't mean you can't forgive them from your heart. If they won't have the conversation with you, talk about it with God. He'll listen. We attempt to reconcile. And there's such a beautiful explanation of what this looks like in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. Just listen to the Word of God and let it speak to our hearts. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone the new is here. All this is from God. So think with me just a moment. Let the Holy Spirit teach us something here. All of that that just happened, it says, is from God. You didn't do anything to make yourself new. Jesus did it all. Amen? Isn't that good? So when we think about our relationships with others, this is how God reconciled us unto him. It was because of Jesus. So we can reconcile our own heart with somebody else. Get that stress out. Get that bitterness out. Get that pain. Give it to God. Because all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know God didn't just give you salvation? He gave you a ministry. The Bible says it many other places. This is just one area. But it says right here very plainly, he gave us a calling. He called us to the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what that ministry looks like. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. I love this. He's not counting people's sins against them. And again, we may have misunderstood or maybe even misrepresented this in the church before. This doesn't mean God doesn't remember our sins. There's a scripture that, that gets misquoted. It says that God remembers our sins no more. Church, God knows everything. So how could he know everything if he don't know something? He knows what we did. The key is the way it's actually presented in context of the scripture. He chooses to remember our sins no more. That means he does not bring it up against us. He said, I won't bring it up against you ever again. He's not saving it for an argument five years from now. Come on, some spouses in this place. Y'all know we do it. Oh, yes, I've forgiven you until. There's no until with God. He says, I've forgiven you, and it is done. It is finished. And I'm so grateful that he does not count people's sins against us. And he says that he is committed to us. Now, here's another way he says that we have the ministry of reconciliation, but also the message 
So we're supposed to live it out, but also share it with others. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now, I love quoting this scripture because this is what we're called to be. This is a calling to be Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. One of the greatest ways that God speaks to this world is through broken people who it makes no sense. Why would you forgive me after what I've done to you? And we let them know. It's not by my power, it's not by my might, but it's by God's Spirit that I can do this. I'm not forgiving you because you deserve it, but God didn't forgive me because I deserved it. I'm not forgiving you because you've been nice to me. I'm forgiving you because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And God is making His opinion. That'll preach to people more than a hundred sermons. They don't need to hear us just say it. They need to see us do it and live it. And then the word says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And this is one of the most incredible things in Scripture to me. Of all the miraculous things God is able to do, he raises the dead. He created something out of nothing. The Bible says God made him, him being Jesus. Jesus who had no sin became sin for us. So if he can assume that role and and, and would take that upon him, don't you tell me that there's any sin that the blood of Jesus cannot overcome and that God cannot transform the rankest, most bitter, most messed up person by the power of Jesus Christ. He can make all things new. If you believe that, would you give him praise in this place? He's worthy of it because of what he's able to do and who he is. So that in him, not because of our good deeds... Not because you've gone to church enough or read your Bible enough. I'm so thankful for people that are reading the Word together. We've we got a Bible reading plan. We're doing 21 days of prayer. But all those things are in response of God's love. They don't earn His love. While we were yet sinners, Jesus went to the cross for us. He was making that way of reconciliation. And just like us, Jesus was willing to do it before anybody else moved first. He said, I'll make the first move. And I'll create... The the chance, the opportunity for reconciliation. And that's what we need to do so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's not by our goodness, but the goodness of Christ. That we can have that ministry and message of reconciliation. I want to close this message talking to you not about relational stress. Because that's what the enemy wants for you. But I want to talk to you about... I hope you believe this. This is what God wants for you, and that is relational peace. He wants you to have peace in your heart. Even if people won't let you make peace with them, you can make peace before God for them. And you can take care of your your end of the bargain and let God take care of the rest. And we can live free in this way. We don't have to live stressed out because we're worried about how things happen in past relationships and how is this next one going to work out. We can live at peace knowing God. If, instead of worrying about how messed up our past was, say, God, if you could heal that, I know you'll heal anything the devil tries to throw at me next time. I know you'll help me overcome. And this relational peace is where uh, I think of this uh, title in just a, a personal way, the let go. Because again, there's some things you've tried to throw it off a cliff. Say, I want this out of my life. And it seems like you still hear it calling out to you. You still can see it. But something really personal happened to me with my youngest child, Benjamin. 
We named him Benjamin Daniel. He's named after me, and I knew not what I did. I'm paying for some things, church, through that boy, but I'm also learning some things. He is very independent and very strong-willed, and I'm praying and believing that God's going to use that for good, that he'll be willing to stand up for what's right, because he don't really care what anybody else thinks. But right now, his mother and I are having to learn to temper his temper sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. There's sometimes he wants to do things his way, and it's going to be a fight to do it any other way. And once we were, uh, it's been over a year ago, he was only about three. Still wasn't real sure, you know, he could walk and stuff, but on stairs, I still got nervous. And we've got a really long stairwell that leads up to our, our kid's life area. And you know, honestly, it's grandfathered in. It probably is a little steeper than it maybe would be if we had to build it today. But it's there, and so it is what it is. And I think there's like 95 steps on it. It is the longest stair. Any, any old kid's life workers got to go up them steps. And it's like, I'm a mountain climber. You know, it just, I don't even know. Is that a song? I don't even know. But I'm standing at the top of these steps. We were leaving the kid's area. And Benjamin had hold of a toy in one hand, and I wanted him to hold my hand. And he said, no, I can do it myself. Don't we say that to God? No, I can do it myself. It's like, okay, you let go of my hand, but you're still holding on to something, and that's going to be hard for you. You know, that's what I'm thinking. And sure enough, as he took that first step, he almost tripped and didn't have that free hand to grab the, the handrail. You know, as a parent, you play out the worst-case scenario. I could just see him tumbling down those, those stairs, his little body just getting hurt. And so... I stopped him, and I was, son, and maybe I'm the only parent that does this. Don't, don't judge me, you Christians. But have you ever said something to your child differently the third time you have to say it to him? Or the fifth time? So I had told him, I was trying to take that toy from him, and he was holding on to it for dear life. And I said, just let go of the toy. Let go, let go, let go. And that's where we get the O's. Let go. And look, at first he was really frustrated. He didn't understand. He had never been through that, a situation like that before. He needed my help. And I wasn't taking anything from him. I was protecting him. And, and the Lord taught me something from that account. That there's so many times we're holding on to something that we think, I've got to deal with it. This is my cross to bear. Jesus bore all your sin and shame. So even the things that have caused you pain and shame, give it to Jesus. He's the only one strong enough to bear it. Don't hold on to that thing anymore. That we try to get through life on our own and holding on to all this mess and all this stress, and it's no wonder we, we fall and hurt ourselves. I want to leave you with, with three things and then a final thought, and then we're going to uh, celebrate with a precious sister in, in baptism. And for these last things, I want to teach you something. i tell you what. I want to coach you up a little bit. Before we send you back out. Because we talk about these things on Sunday. But then you got to deal with people. Sometimes not on Monday. you got to deal with people on Sunday afternoon sometimes. That phone starts ringing. Or you just have family interactions. You know, whatever. And, and relational stress can be really, really hard. And so we don't want to just focus on the stress. Uh, number one, the thing we want to focus on. We focus on obedience. He handles the outcome. We, we sometimes slip this around. We want to decide the outcome and want God to obey what we think the outcome should be. We need to obey God and trust his outcome. And what I say, I want to coach you up. I've got a little training device here that gets used against my Dallas Cowboys way too much. It drives me nuts, y'all, because tomorrow night they have a meaningful game against some no-name quarterback that 
has never done anything. And uh, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> Speak against it. Uh, but anyway, he, you know, he's done some stuff. And so the Cowboys, they need to play good or we ain't going to be playing next week. But one thing that kills me, if you're a football fan or you can just know how it works, is it's bad enough when the other team just beats you. You know, you can kind of accept that. Okay, you just played better than I did today. I did my best. You were better. I can live with that. What drives me crazy is this. Yep. Offside. I don't know the motions, okay? <laughs> Offsides. Whatever. <laughs> I played basketball. Travel. The quarterback travel. I don't know. Yeah, false. Thank you. Y'all are so sweet. Those watching on, they're now helping me. They're calling out the thing. But yeah, it's bad enough when the, the opponent beats you, but you shouldn't beat up yourself. So many Christians, I tell you what, we need to focus on obedience. That means we shouldn't be saying, when God says, I need you to forgive them, I want you to go talk to them, we say, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that way. False, whatever you said. False words. You know, that's not sincere. I'm sorry you feel that way. Not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for how you feel. You know, the second one is true too. Number two, we extend grace. He gives healing. We leave that part up to him. We just do our part. And then we leave God's part up to him. This is, it can look like this with people. Like, we just say, you shouldn't be so offended. You're just so sensitive. Illegal use of words. I'm getting better. But seriously, think about this. It's like, just because you don't understand why it hurt them doesn't mean it didn't hurt them. And this is good advice for your marriage, with your kids, with your friends, your coworkers, whatever. We extend grace. Did you know that Jesus is a really good teacher? The Holy Spirit's a really good teacher. And that means we can leave it up to them to speak to their heart instead of just giving them all of our opinions. We give grace, and God can give healing. And look, if they won't receive it, at least you will. At least you'll receive healing and not feel that tension. And number three, we seek reconciliation. He provides the remedy. This is where you don't need to have, you know, figured out in your mind. This is what it has to look like for it to be the right thing. I'll confess to you, I've done too many things my own way. I'm more and more saying, God... I want your way, not mine. I want to get to the point, I say that about everything. That Lord, not my will, but yours. I'm just going to do what your word says. It says if I'm down at the altar and, and, and I've done something to wrong somebody. It doesn't say tell God about everybody that's wronged you. You can do that too. But before you offer your gift to the Lord, it says make reconciliation with him. Some of y'all, you've been seeking healing in your heart. Maybe even in your physical body. Remember, we said this can affect our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health. And the enemy has been trying to hide this truth from us. To make us think, again, that there's just going to be this magic moment where everything just goes away. No, there, there may be a moment where you have to have godly confrontation. Where you need to set up healthy boundaries. And that's okay. And that may be God's way for that relationship. Just do what his word tells you to do. And don't really worry. Don't stress yourself over what the other person does. 
And as I give you this last one, I'm going to ask Miss Tanya if she'll go get the kids and get them ready. We want them to be down here to see this time of of baptism. And and Steph, if you wouldn't mind to go ahead and be getting ready. Because I think this is such a powerful example. Water baptism is a great example of our reconciliation with God. Of what Jesus has done for us. And we're not ashamed to let anybody know it. That we love God and he loves us. That's what baptism represents. And so if, if we've done all this you know, for God. And, and we know that God has done all this for us. Why wouldn't we do this last thing? This is the last truth. Is that the path to relational peace requires us to embrace the power of. And it's not something big, mysterious. The power of an apology. The Bible says that we just need to learn to apologize. Again, doesn't matter if the other person even accepts it. That's between them and God. But when we come clean before the Lord, just because that's between them and God, that means there'll be nothing left between us and God. And that's what really matters. And it also, I've seen it in my life, in, in my relationships, Sometimes the reconciliation may not happen for years, may not happen at all, but I still can have peace in my soul. So I want to encourage you, even if you need reconciliation with someone who maybe they moved away or they've passed away, and you think, how can I be reconciled? It really is not about you and them as much as it is about you and God. Be obedient to God, forgive them in your heart, and watch God heal your heart and change your life. And then give you that ministry of reconciliation. And that message, that's really what the message of reconciliation looks like. It's us getting to testify to other people. Can can I tell you how? We get to tell them, can I tell you how I overcame forgiving somebody who was unforgivable? They didn't deserve forgiveness. And they didn't do anything to even ask for forgiveness. But I decided I was going to take responsibility. I decided I was going to take that power back. I was going to forgive and seek forgiveness, but no matter what they did, I was going to attempt to reconcile and I was going to trust God. I'm just going to obey. He handles the outcome. Does that sound good to anybody else? And God will do the right thing every single time. I want to ask you, if you would, to stand. I want to ask the worship team to come. Before we have this time of celebration with baptism, I want to have a time of prayer and just... To let the Lord speak to hearts and heal hearts if needed. If you're in this place and you would say, you know what? I've got some relational stress, some relationship baggage. And it's, maybe God's even today revealing some things. You thought that you had laid to rest a long time ago and it just is rearing its ugly head again. I want you to know that God is here and he's already forgiven us. Do you know the Bible says that? We don't even need to really... Ask God for forgiveness. We need to receive. That's how the Bible says it. Receive. He's already extended it. And so if there's someone who's hurt you, or even if you've hurt somebody else, listen to what God's word says. And make that effort. Take that next step towards reconciliation. But I'll tell you the truth. While there are things that we need to do, there are some things that only God can do. And right now, I want to pray for those that it's been hard on you physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to minister to you right where you're at.
right where you're hurting. And I believe by faith He can. Better than my words could ever reach you, His Spirit could reach you. So if you're in this place and you say, you know what, I've been carrying some pain for a long time and I'm ready to give it to God today. And I'm unashamed to do it. Would you raise your hand quickly where you're at? I'd like to pray over you and pray with you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank y'all. Thank you. Lots of hands. God bless you, people. I love y'all. Amen. God loves you even more. God bless you, sister. Y'all can put your hands down. Thank you for your openness and your honesty. I believe God will honor that. And I believe the Holy Spirit right now can, can bring hope and healing to pain that may have been there a long time. Can I tell you, eternity's a lot longer. And God can change you today for the rest of eternity to just give that all to Him. Let's pray together, and then we're just going to worship together for a moment before we celebrate uh, with Sister Stephanie getting baptized. Would you pray with me, and let's pray with these who are lifting their hearts to God. Heavenly Father, every hand represents somebody that you love and somebody that's been hurt. And I'm so sorry for what they've gone through, and Holy Spirit, help them to know that by giving this to you, we're not at all saying that what happened to them was right. But we know that you are righteous. And you can, you can bring hope and peace even to situations that may be ongoing. We're just saying we're not going to go on with it anymore. We're going to give it over to you. And whatever the other person does, that's between them and God. But we're going to make ourselves right before you, Lord. And right now, I just want to encourage you, men and women of God, just confess to God what's hard about forgiving them. He can handle it. He already knows. Just be real before him. Say, God, they did it so many times. When I trusted them, they failed me again. He will never fail you. See that? Let that be something God shows you, that he loves you. He'll never do that to you. Trust him right now. Receive healing that can only come from him. And God, not by faith in the other person, not by our good deeds, not by some good message or a good song, but because of you, Lord Jesus, we receive right now by faith your healing, your blood that can cover our sin and the pain that other sins has brought against us. And we receive it right now by faith and we will walk in it by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I believe and receive it. And everybody that believes that said... Amen. Would someone rejoice in the Lord for these that have lifted that up to God. And look, it may be a process, but God will be with you through that process. Trust Him every step of the way. And now, church, can we just worship the Lord for a moment as we get ready to baptize? And let's trust the one who can lead us. He'll be our comfort and our strength, the precious Holy Spirit. Would we sing it out to Him?
special moment. Uh, you can be seated for just a second. Uh, you know, this morning in first service, we had an eight-year-old young man get baptized, just giving his heart to the Lord. And, and here I stand with my sister who, uh, you've known the Lord for years, and, and I think uh, that your testimony is, honestly, it preaches that message better than I could, of, of even when, you know, we have things that knock us down. Even if we do them to ourselves or somebody brings them against us, when we don't give up, God can always help us get up and yes. start again. And, and Steph was baptized years ago. Was it 2016? Yes. It's been a minute. Yes. Y'all remember 2016? Me neither. <laughs> but she had just said, and I, I kept your, your card on my desk. I'd been praying over you, and just the words were an encouragement to me when you just said, it's a new year, a new me. And then you said three words, because of God. And look, I'm not going to share the whole thing, but you've been through some stuff this yes. last year. Yes. And God has seen you through it. And you are a new creature, a new creation. Yes. All things have been made new. The old is gone, the new is here. But somebody give the Lord praise that God is able. God is able. And I'm so proud for you, proud of you. And Steph, before your church family, before these witnesses, do you openly declare Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Yes, I do so much. God bless you. So much, she said. Then I baptize you. My, my sister in Christ and my friend. Is that alright if yes. I call you my friend? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, it's just awesome to see what God is doing in people's hearts and lives. And even the things we can't see, you know, uh, those, those emotional things, those pain, God cares about those things too. And I'm glad we can bring it all to Him. Could I ask you to stand with me and let me pray with you. And, and if you have a prayer need, uh, the, if the prayer team will come down. we got a lot of kids up here, which is awesome. The prayer team will make their way down. As you're dismissed, please remember, if you have a prayer request, write it down on a connection card. Let, let us have it. You can bring it to a prayer team member if you want to and let them pray with you today. But then we'll pray over it every day. We've got two weeks left of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Please don't leave this place. If you've got a need, you need to, to let the church come in agreement with you and pray. And uh, we're just believing God to do things that only God could do. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for my church family and just our friends and family in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them wherever they go. Let them know you're with them. And whatever they go through, you will be there to see them through it by your strength, by your grace. Let us trust you with our part that we can do and trust you for the outcome. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, the worship team is going to sing us out. You guys are dismissed. But if you need prayer, stay, we'll stay and pray as long as you need. God bless you, church. I love you. Go with God.